You are listening to Personal Branding Exposed with Megan McNeil. Each episode, we'll explore different areas of personal branding and how you can build, maintain, and leverage off your own personal brand. Here's your host, Megan. Morning, everyone. Welcome to Personal Branding Exposed. And this morning, I have got Kate Toon with me, who is feeling a little bit under the weather, but that's okay. She's going to power through this because she's a pro. Um, so Kate is an entrepreneur. She is a fantastic writer. That's where she's what she's built her business around is copywriting. She's got CopyCon, which is for helping other writers be as amazing as she is. She's got the Clever Copywriting School. Uh, she's a speaker, author, coach, but most importantly, she is a master hula hooper. Thank you so much for joining me, Kate. How are you? Um, well, yeah, I've, I've got a nice little touch of bronchitis. I hasten to add, it's not COVID. You're okay watching this stream. You're not going. I'm not contagious. Um, but yeah, you know, in lockdown, school holidays. So you know, loving life. But otherwise, I'm good. Thank you for that lovely intro. That's kind of the world we live in just now, where you're scared to offer sneeze just in case. <laughs> I know. I sneezed in Coles about two weeks ago, and I felt like everyone turned around and looked at me, you know? So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> definitely where we're at. Um, you're over in Melbourne. Or, is it Melbourne you're in? No, I'm, on, I'm just outside Sydney, about an hour from Sydney on the central coast, uh, near Palm Beach, where they film Home Away. Home Away. But First I'm not... place I went to when I came to Australia. Really? Where's your accent from? I've got a whereabouts in Scotland? Fort William in the Highlands, so near oh, the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, because my mum and dad have just moved to uh, the borders, so um, yeah. But obviously, I haven't seen them for a good couple of years now, so yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Lots of it is it is it is anyway oh, that's, that's so interesting everyone wants to talk to me about outlander and braveheart they were filmed in in my hometown and um the first thing i do when i come to australia is catch a bus and go straight up to palm beach didn't even realize that you have winter in australia no one was filming and it was freezing but i was still pretty happy with myself <laughs> I, I did the same thing I, I when i got here from the uk i think one of the first things i did was go to palm beach and hope that i'd see alf uh, is it Alf? Do you remember yeah. Alf? <laughs> in it, but I really wanted to see him. I didn't see him, but there you go. And now I live near there, so I'm kind of living the dream to me. Oh, I'm in, the, I'm in the poor bit though. I'm not in the posh bit, unfortunately. So yeah, <laughs> that's all right. That's still good enough. Um, yes. So anyway, this is not about home and away. It's about <laughs> you, Kate. <laughs> So let's reverse all the way back. You're 15 years old and you're sitting in um, in class and you're thinking about what it is that you're going to do once you finally leave school. I presume CopyCon and having your own uh, copywriting business possibly wasn't the plan at that point. You probably had enough of writing in school or, or maybe you hadn't. What was it you were thinking you were going to do at that point? I think... I've always I've always really enjoyed writing and I think I always uh, you know when I was younger I wanted to be a teacher um, and then uh, when I was about 15 16 I was very into the music scene and I was going to gigs and writing music reviews and getting them published in local newspapers and there's such a thrill about seeing your own writing in, in print so I definitely had the bug then to be a writer of some kind um, and you know then you lose your path I went off to university did a silly degree um and you know worked in events worked in lots of different things and then it's almost over a huge arc come back to being a writer and being a teacher because most of what i do now i don't really have clients anymore i really just teach writing teach seo teach digital marketing in different formats but yeah i've actually ended up kind of doing what i wanted to do which is kind of cool when you think about it you've come full circle i love that i have, I have. 
<laughs> I think there's so many people that have um, that are entrepreneurs that have gone through the events as well, have done that stage of life because I know I certainly did, and it teaches you a lot because it's very glamorous on the outside. You think you know the end result is brilliant, but I don't think people realize the amount of work that there is in the background, and that really sets you up for your own business. What kind of events were was it that you were working in? I worked at a company called Miller Freeman and we did big industrial events like fire and hose at the at the Birmingham NEC and, you know, a game conference at Olympia. So they're huge, vast events, you know, huge. And my portion of it, I was kind of in the in the, the bit that published the book that goes with it, you know, yeah. the brochure thing, but also involved on the day. And oh, it was amazing. And, and some events I got to organise the after party and book comedians and very high stress and a really interesting part of that i'm glad that you brought that up actually because i haven't really thought about it is that so much energy for an entire year goes into two days and and that that come down after it is is bizarre and then you have to start all over again and it's it's a really heightened experience i think it did teach me a lot i run events myself now um, and I'm glad that I've got that skill set. But events is a very hard industry to be in. I mean, obviously now, but even even not when you're dealing with COVID, it's a very hard industry. Everyone says they want an event. Everyone's yep. like, I'd love, to come to your, I'd love to come to your workshop. And then you put it up and you put the tickets up and they're like, yeah, I can't. And you're like, you know, and then the next week they're like, are you going to run another one? And you're like, well, you didn't come to the first one. It's so hard, really challenging. <laughs> it is. Like, there's nothing like events to get your adrenaline going because oh. it's such a buzz. But then it's such, they're so, like, it's so emotional as well. And you don't really realize how emotionally invested you are every time someone buys a ticket or registers. And yeah. then when they can or they don't show up. And uh, yeah, it's a minefield. <laughs> it is, it is. But all these experiences, as you say, feed into your business. I've, having been an events person, I've also been in publishing, which taught me a lot about proofreading and prints. This was in the old days before computers. I was a an executive assistant to a, a bit of a knob, to be honest. But that taught me a lot about yep. process and admin and, and calendar management. And then when I worked in advertising agencies, I was more in the production side, the producer, the project management. So that was just so good for learning to speak to clients, timelines, budgets, working with creative people, you know, all of these things come to pass. And I think often when people start their own business, they kind of go, oh, I'll just ignore everything I've done before. But it makes you who you are. You know, it makes you, I would have been terrible at running my own business at 25. I'm glad I waited till I was 35 to do it because I needed that experience to get to oh, that where I was, you know completely and I think that it's so underrated that people do like to try and draw a line in the sand that was old corporate me that was me when I worked yeah. for someone this is my business but it just it makes you who you are or it, it's pushed you into why you're doing what you're doing as well which I think is important uh, absolutely and I think it's a really important point to sit down like you've just asked me and go what did you learn from that previous experience whether it's a skill or a character trait or a value that you've now bringing forth because you'll be surprised if you sit down and do that work at how much you've bought from that past career to the new career I think yeah completely agree with that what made you decide that running your own business was the path you were going to take Oh, I didn't decide. Do people decide? I didn't. Um, 
I was working in advertising and I'd been climbing the ladder for a long time. I'd been on the board at one agency and at the agency I was at, I was on the path to being the general manager of that that agency and I hated it. Um, I was over it. It's a hard life working in agencies. Um, and I would cry on the bus every day, Megan, on the way down from Leichhardt to the CBD. Um, and then I got pregnant and I didn't think I was going to be able to get pregnant. We had a few issues. I got pregnant and I was contracting at the time. And I was like, I need to make something now because I'm not going to get maternity leave. I have no savings. My partner at the time had just started his own bill of business and had one client. Um, and so I was like, I need to get sorted pretty quick. So I, you know, jumped ship at five months pregnant, set up a very basic website and just started doing anything and everything. Um, it, you know, bootstrapping it is extreme. There were no angel investors. There was no business plan. There was no three months of savings in the bank while I worked out what I was doing. There was no partner bankrolling me in any way, you know, or even supporting me. In fact, I was still the breadwinner throughout all of that. Um, so yeah, it was hideous, hideous. It's not glamorous in any way. Like it was not fun. It was crap. <laughs> but it's real. And I think that we we gloss over that so much. This is why this is such a refreshing conversation to have where when you talk to someone, it's, you know, oh, it was planned. I had my savings, you know, I had this conversation when really most times you're just like thrown into the thick of it. Like I was, I was meant to be going back home to get married and then coming back, I had given up my job and was like, oh, COVID started. My wedding's just been canceled and unemployed. And I, oh, I've got a business now, <laughs> you know? It's, it's the best just... way I think it's, you know, it's like people say, when's the best time to have a child? There's never a good time to have a child. You'll never be You've prepared. You've never got that. enough money. Yeah, and even if you do prepare, you can't prepare for everything. You can't eliminate every every issue or mitigate every risk you know part of learning how to have a business is having a business and and going through it you can do all the courses read all the books you know go and do a you know a business studies degree but really you don't really learn until you're in the gladiatorial pit battling it out uh, with the other gladiators in your actual business so you know i, I would never have taken the plunge the situation made me take the plunge I'm glad I did um yeah. I, I would I don't regret it at all but it was very tough those first couple of years I can't deny it and I think it has to be because I don't well it's not that I don't think it's fair if nobody has to have the, the hard part but yeah. it has to be because it's a massive learning curve we've all come from places where we've worked we do our little bits if you worked in a not-for-profit or small business maybe you were across a few more things but generally speaking we've got our own little area and we deal with that you go into a business the next thing you're doing banking and you're doing yeah. marketing and you're doing absolutely everything in a business bits that you didn't even realize happened anywhere you've worked before yeah, this is it. And you have to, you know, the people who succeed, I, I, I heard a stat, my friend Russell was on a show yesterday, he said something like 294,000 businesses closed down last year. Now, I could have got that wrong. But, you know, I see, because I have a lot of people coming through my memberships, that, um, you know, a huge percentage of businesses don't last the first year or the, sec or the second year. And I think it's because it only suits a certain type of person who is able to self-motivate who's able to get up each day in the face of complete abject failure and do it all again, who's able to learn like a child and, and uh, do things that are not in their comfort zone and do an okay job of them and then quickly learn as quickly as possible which bits they can give to other people. Um, and then just for, to, the, the simple 
effort of coming in every day to your desk and deciding what you have to do is not to be underestimated because you could do anything. You could do nothing. You could go and watch Netflix and put some washing on. So the simple act of sitting down at your desk each day, I think people underestimate what a skill that is and how much we should pat ourselves on the back for doing that. You know, it's 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 a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point because, um, you know, you see a lot of people saying, oh, just give away everything. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Give away all your ideas. People won't take it. If they, they want to use their service, they'll come and do it anyway. And I am a firm believer in that because the majority of people that want to go and look at all your free content and find out how you do absolutely everything you do, that's all they'll do. They won't do anything with it. It's the same with strategies. You can tell people all your best strategies and your best ideas ideas but how many people will actually take the effort to go and implement them and I think that that is a massive distinction between people who are quite happy to turn up do what they have to and you know they've got KPIs they've got boards to uh, you know respond to etc and having to you are that person like you know yeah. if I don't meet my, meet my KPIs am I really going to punish myself oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know? you have to punish yourself but I think that's a really interesting one the, the concept of free and what you give away I mean hopefully I think that comes with time and confidence because when you start out, you do fear that you will give it all away and you haven't got enough within you. But then as you get more confident, you realize that your knowledge is infinite. And even the most basic tip that you hand out is to somebody else genius, you know? But I also think it's very hard when you're starting out because, you know, if say, for example, like me, I'm a copywriter and I want to give away a free lead magnet that tells you this, that, and the other. I'm up against people like HubSpot and Joanna Weave and Kate Toon who have enough money and business that they can give away loads for free. But I can't give away loads for free because I'm just starting out. It's really, really challenging that balance between free and and, and infinite and people taking your ideas and people using your services hard. And I think that comes with time and confidence because you can feel like you're being taken advantage of and you do have to have quite strict boundaries, I think. Free is good, but only this much free, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it also takes the right person to know what to do with that free information you've given Oh, God, them. yeah. Most people have no clue. I mean, I used yeah. to have a folder on my desktop where I downloaded all the downloadables, and they would get bigger and bigger, and then I'd look at the folder, and it would make them feel depressed, so I'd delete it, and then I'd create a new folder and start doing it again. And now I don't download anybody's stuff ever, any ebook, checklist, whatever, because... I will not implement, and it's all about implementing. If everyone just stopped downloading stuff and spent the next six months implementing what they already have, they'd see some progress. But we just always think that this this checklist is going to be the one that changed your life. (laughs) That's hilarious. That must be part of the process because I have a folder very similar to that as well that I've never opened. Well, I give you permission, Megan, to delete it today. There you go. If I do one thing today, it is going to be that. Yeah, great. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about CopyCon and how that came about. Oh, gosh. Well, we're back to events. So I've got three businesses, really. I've got the Clever Copywriting School, which is all about copywriters, the Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO and Google, and then K-Tune, which is kind of the brand I'm trying to, that's me, by the way, the, the personal <laughs> brand that I'm trying to build. Clever Copywriting School basically started out of me launching myself as a copywriter, five months pregnant, completely oblivious to the fact that there were any other copywriters out there, and then realizing about a year and a half in that there were thousands, and also realizing, as you rightly pointed out, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to price. I didn't know how to market. What do I do if a client doesn't pay on time? I had no business processes, and so what I wanted, I had great 
creative from working at Ogilvy. I could do a killer brief. I could write great copy, but the business side of it. Bleh. So I started a little group on Google Plus and I went on Twitter and invited 20 copywriters who I'd been following, about 30 actually, but only about 20 said yes. And we became this little community for about two years. And lots of those copywriters you'll know now as quite well successful copywriters, but we were all brand new then. And then I, I'm, this is a bit waffly, I will get to it. Then I turned that into a paid community about in about 2017. Um, and then I, I turned that into a membership with a, with a directory and a shop and all these other things, very iteratively, very slowly. And then we'd been going for about two years with the community. And I said, why don't we all get, we were doing like drinks and stuff. I said, why don't we all get together? And I was like, and then a hundred people said yes and they came and that was the first CopyCon and it was a disaster, it was rubbish, there were pillars in the room, no one could see anything. The room could only fit 60 people but I had 100 people in it, people were on sitting on each other's laps. Um, but then I've run it two more times since in Sydney and then amazingly my favourite one was at Melbourne Arts Centre which is an amazing uh, building with the big uh, Eiffel Tower on the top in, in Melbourne um, <laughs> and that was amazing, we had nearly 200 people there, it was like an Ed Sheeran con concert. It was like just atmosphere. It was fantastic. And we had a Star Wars party after it. And then I was supposed to be running it last year, COVID. I was supposed to be running it this year. And then it, it didn't get canceled because of COVID. The venue at the last minute said, oh, we're going to do refurbishments and we can't do your conference. And I took that as a sign from the gods that I was insane to try and run an event in this climate. So now the next one is going to be in October 2022. Um, but all the same challenges with the event. You know, everyone says they want to come. Do they come? Getting sponsors. It's very expensive to run an event. There's not much margin in events. So it's a nice thing to do. It doesn't make money in and of itself, but it is a great way of keeping the community together um, and having a laugh, do you know what I mean? Having a really great big party for a couple of days and learning a few things. So I do enjoy it, but I'm glad it's once a year. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. I think, um, you know, I, I'm not a copywriter, so I'm not running. And I, I'm definitely not a copywriter. My mum, probably if she's listening she'll be like yeah you're not a copywriter Megan <laughs> but um you know the uh, what I do think is really important about that is how when you started you know getting that group of 20 or 30 people together that do the exact same thing as you is so important because nobody else really understands what is going on other than people that are in the same situation as you, you know, starting out. It might be that, you know, everyone's a copywriter or everyone's a coach or whatever it is, but it's the fact that everyone's at the same stage and starting out. That's invaluable. And I think we we shy away from that because we don't want to tell people, oh, we haven't quite got our first 5,000 or 10,000 um, month yet. Yeah. So, we're, you know, but really we need to, to be able to get to those levels. We need to work with people and find out what is working for them or not working for them so we can shortcut those that success yeah i mean look you know when i started out it's 12 13 years ago now there weren't masterminds and memberships and retreats and they just that whole culture that exists now just did not exist so i had to make my own um, and i've never been I, I was briefly a member of susie daphnis's uh, uh membership but i didn't really take advantage of it i think a lot of people join memberships and don't use them mm. um, but I've never been in a mastermind I've never had a business coach I've never joined a membership I've never done a course I've never read a business book which is quite shocking I know um, and I've always kind of just relied on my peers 
you know like mm -hmm. uh, 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 you know uh, ask a friend you know dial a friend that's been my approach and making little groups of like-minded people whether it's a group of copywriters when i needed help with that and then it might be being a group of people who run events when i needed help with that and there's no money exchange it's just peer-to-peer -peer help you know, and I, I'm not advocating that because I think if you can find a coach or a business person that you really admire and trust and they, you like their methodology and you understand that it's not going to work exactly the same for you, but it's pretty, pretty close. That's brilliant. And I reckon I could have been a lot further in my business faster if I'd done that, but I didn't. And I kind of like that. It feels a bit more organic. It was much more of a journey and adventure. It's taken longer, but it's completely mine. Do you know what I mean? And I'm a bit funny about that. Like I would hate anybody else to go, yes, I was I was Kate Toon's coach and I'm the reason she, I would hate that. So I want Kate Toon to be her own coach. I know that's funny, but yeah, that's me. I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> you and I are very similar. <laughs> You're like telling a lot, of, I, I'm much further behind and uh, but I feel like I'm going in the right direction from what you're saying because I very much have always started little groups of people and um, kind of make them you know because I always find people that are in the same situation I, I started my first business when I was 22 I just um, I'd left university going back to Fort William and Fort William's a small town and there was there was not much there and I wanted to get into events and again there wasn't enough room for for me there so yeah. I made room and I had gone to the Rotary Club and the Chamber of Commerce there to kind of be like, well, this is my business community because I'm starting a business. And I basically got the door sort of shut on me and told like, well, you, you come back to us when you have a business type thing. Yeah. So I set up, um, it was a ladies business networking group and there was maybe only about 20 of us. And we got quite successful. And the next thing we all started getting invited to these things. And, you know, our services were being used by these same men that were like, okay, oh, little girl. That's so satisfying. That's so satisfying. Yeah. You did that at 22? Yes. I was an idiot at 22. I don't, I, 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 I was, I was just out of university. I, I don't know what I was doing. So to have that wherewithal at 22 is very impressive to me. I don't think I became any kind of business person until I was about 36, 37. So you were fast tracking. Uh, That's very impressive. But isn't I it went, went downhill after that because I, I jumped on a plane to Australia and I had five years of just great fun before I started this business we again. We all did that. I did that too. But there's also something deliciously satisfying. You know, they say the... Uh, the best form of revenge is success. And I had that a lot when I started in SEO, which was about you know 12 years ago, and I was going into these communities and it was all blokes and I was learning. And so I'm like, well, this is a community, I'm gonna ask questions. But every time I asked the question, people were like, you don't know that and you call yourself an SEO. Um, and it was awful really. Um, but I was like, it's like the way men won't ask for directions, you know, it's like, cause they need to be seen to know everything. And I'm like, I'm open about the fact that I don't know everything. Even now, I don't know everything about SEO. And then all of them were also like, you can't do a course on SEO. It changes all the time, blah, blah, blah. And then obviously now my course is like hugely successful. And loads of them have now launched courses. And it's so satisfying, isn't it? I know it's awful and a bit petty, but it's so satisfying when you prove people wrong and go, you didn't want me, but now you want me. Well, let me just think about that. 
maybe I'll come to your event. Maybe I won't. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if it's if it's a motivator, it's a strong one because yeah. it definitely it definitely did something for me because you know you're sitting at home and it's the same with like when you when you sell one of your courses. I got a LinkedIn course and every time one goes, you know, it sells and they're, they're low ticket value, but I still give your little happy oh, dance. Yeah. Uh-huh. The PayPal ping, I call it the PayPal ping. I remember mm. once. This is terrible, bad. I'm going off on a sidetrack, but I've got notifications set up on my phone, or I used to. And I remember I was doing the garden or something, and I put my phone in my bra, which is a terrible thing. Don't do that. It's not good. And every time I was selling something, and I kept on getting this ping again and again. Um, and I was like, this PayPal ping is amazing. I was doing the garden, and I'm just making money while I'm doing the garden. I mean, really. I'd spent hours and hours making the blooming thing, promoting the thing. But it, there's a disconnect, isn't there? You forget that. You forget the hours you do, and you just see it as more new money. Oh, I just made this money. You forget that you put all that time in back then. But it's great. You know, that kind of passive income is is wonderful. And that's now my entire business. So as I said, I don't have any clients now. Everything's passive. And that has its pros and cons. Um, but there's more pros than cons, I would say. Yeah, so it's interesting. Sorry, why did I start talking about my bra and PayPal? I am high on cold and flu tablets. I apologize. <laughs> this is great. I'm going to make sure everyone's on cold and flu tablets because this is what it's all about. I want to expose your personal brand, and this is this is what you are. This is you, Kate. Because I think I look awful. I've got my makeup on. I'm ill, but I'm here. I guess that's important. You you don't look awful. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. But that is what's important because everybody we just focus so much on where we are right now and like the successes we have and like you know the PayPal PayPal ping and stuff. But we don't talk about how hard that was to get there because I remember the first time I, and this will be probably very similar to you, the first time I launched the LinkedIn program, I was like, okay, crickets, nothing. And then the second time, a few more, third time. And people don't think about that. They think, oh, I just need to launch it once and that's me. I'm out in the, the world and someone will just come to me. And it's so much hard work. I have to show up and you do as well. Have to show up every single day somewhere so that you're not forgotten. This is it. And it's the ability to hold on in the face of failure. I have a lovely uh, woman who's in my membership who has a course as well. And the first round went really, really well, because obviously when you first launch a course, usually it's your closest people, your ex-clients, people who really like you. They're immediately going to sign up and support you. It's the second launch that's the killer and the third because then you've you've exhausted your immediate people and now you're trying to find people who don't know you very well and you're having to build up that trust and knowledge and all that kind of stuff and you know I, I've been saying to this person because they're like well what I might do is I might change the formula I might change the pricing I might offer this as well and I'm like no don't hold on hold on keep selling what you're selling until people understand that that's what you sell and that's who you are don't change the pricing and don't add any more bells and whistles just have faith that it will take off because people are constantly changing things and then you don't know what was the success and you you know you've got to sit in the discomfort of something not doing very well until it does 
there's a great meme I saw online. I think it was on LinkedIn and it was like someone had congratulated the business on their launch. Like, Thank you for the launch. They're like, yeah, but we're really pleased about it. We won't mention the 14 launches we did before that no one noticed. Do you know what I mean? And that's the truth of it. It's the, it's the swan gliding down the river, looking like everything's smooth, but underneath the water, the legs are going like that. Um, uh, so yeah, I think it's that ability to just keep on going and go, I have a bit of faith in yourself and a bit of faith in the thing that you've made. Like, I know this is good. I just have to get other people to understand that it's good. And that's going to take a bit of time. You know, it's um, one thing I've realized is it's as hard to sell a $15 template or a $40 course as it is to sell a $2,000 course. And it's not about what's in it necessarily. People don't necessarily buy the course because of the contents or, or the bonuses or whatever. They buy it because of you. Yep. You know, talking about personal branding today, there's a million people now who have SEO courses. As I said, five years ago, no one did. Now everyone has an SEO course. And that, that could be intimidating But because I'm like, well, maybe I should have another module or another thing. But really, people are buying that course because of me uh, and not because of the inclusions. And when you realize that, that's both glorious and terrifying at the same time. No, I think, yeah, well, you're doing my job for me. I just, I think personal branding is like the most important thing you can invest in because, you know, if you work somewhere, it's always about let's get the company's brand out there. You know, you work for Coca-Cola. Well, everyone knows Coca-Cola's brand, but what happens when you leave? You know, if you're not consciously building your personal brand, building your networks digitally and in person, what happens when you leave? Like you no longer ha can hang on Coca-Cola, which was a great brand to be a part of. You go and start your own thing. It doesn't exist. Whereas if you already exist within uh, a group of people and it's not about being internet famous, like I think so many people think what I'm trying to do is make them all Kardashians and get lots of likes on Instagram. <laughs> oh, you, I want to be a cut. No, I'm joking. No, it isn't at all. I mean, I, even to this day, I don't have a huge following on Instagram. My Instagram is appalling as well because I'm not very good at doing pretty Instagram. My Instagram is kind of like a picture of my dog for no reason because I like my dog. Um, it's <laughs> It's exactly that. It's um, it's not about being famous. It's about that no like and trust factor. And yep. you don't need to have hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, you just need to have a good connection with the followers you have. So most of, I've got members of my clever copywriting community who've been there for six years. They've also bought the SEO course. They've joined my other membership. They've bought every template. And literally it's at the point now where if I made something new, I have a ready-made audience from it. So I don't need lots of new people because I work on the relationships with the people I have. But I think people really misunderstand personal branding and think it's about blowing confetti and, and you know, having pictures of them laughing, eating salad on Instagram. And it's it's not about that at all. I, I, I guess we're going to talk about that now. What is personal branding? It's It's a challenge, isn't it? People don't get it. Oh, yeah. But it's completely different to everyone because, you know, you can't you can't dispute that someone who's famous has got a strong personal brand, you know, because but they do. But the platform they have is completely different. You know, if they're on television and movies on radio, etc., they've obviously got a head start. They've got a bigger audience to pull from in the first place. So when they go and do something else on their own, it's ready made. But yeah. how does Joe blogs who's you know working at BHP or Rio or you know one of these big companies who you're essentially just a number when you're in a big company until you get to a certain stage in your career well when you 
decide to go out? How, how do you just differentiate yourself? You know, what work did you do that was extracurricular, not just as in work related, but like, you know, were you part of any clubs? Did you go networking? Were you actually documenting your journey through that business on LinkedIn? Or, you know, is there any presence of you other than you just going clocking in nine to five every day? Like, there are the little things. Like, what is it that people say about you when you leave the room? You know, that's... Uh, the Bezos quotes, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I don't think I ever really thought about that when I was working in a corporate environment because I never thought I would leave. You know, yeah. I wasn't preparing the ground for future efforts. You know, so I literally came out of advertising life with nothing, with no brand, no personality. And it took me a long time to get a personality because you know, as soon as you come out into the into the real world, you're like, well, look at all the copywriters. All of them are wearing polo neck jumpers and they're writing on keyboards. I should get a polo neck jumper. And for a while you try and be part of that gang because you want to fit into something. You've been part of a corporate culture. Now you're on your own, but you want to feel part of something again. So you try and be like everybody else. And then it's that moment of bravery where you go, this isn't working. I'm not differentiating at all. How do I actually be contrary? How do I be different to everybody else in the industry? And how do I deal with the consequences of that? Because there are consequences, you know? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. As soon as you come off that fence, you're going to have lovers and haters. And that's just the reality of it. But building your personal, like you have a personal brand. As soon as you walk out the door or you post anything online, you have a personal brand. People are thinking, feeling and saying stuff about you, whether you like it or not. But that's fine for some people. Some people are happy to do the nine to five and that like there's nothing wrong with that. It's when you want to have other opportunities and you and more importantly, not just you want to go for other opportunities, you want to start attracting the right kind of opportunities. That's when you need to be strategical about placing yourself and, you know, I guess, you know, you kind of got to have an end goal. But, you know, as you and I both know, um, life's what happens when you're busy making plans. So it's about trying to reverse engineer it as best you can, but also understanding that that's going to change. Yeah, I mean, I think plans are fantastic as long as you're not attached to them. You know, I've never been a planner. I've never set goals or milestones. Um, But I think, again, that comes with age, that comes with time, that confidence to be truly yourself, whether you're in a corporate environment or on your own, to just embrace yourself and all your flaws and quirks and oddities, your sense of humour, your political views, your religious views, all of it, and to be open about that wherever you are. that comes with time and confidence and uh, it's not something I had when I started out but I think it's something that I have now and I'm so glad I've developed that over the years because it's so freeing to just be able to turn up and be yourself Um, full of cold with a dot on your nose and and no makeup and and not be like I can't do this session with Megan because I'm not my 100% best self because it's like I don't I, I will do my best and my best is enough and if people don't like me that's okay and that's a really hard thing to learn I think it was for me anyway (laughs) and it's a hard thing to be comfortable with yeah it really is um someone's just asked in the the comments here would you agree that personal brand works best when a person is being authentic 100% because if you're not being authentic you're actually acting and I don't teach people how to be actors I teach people how to show up and get what they want but not through acting you've got to be authentic because you can't keep that up that's tiresome yeah, I mean, I think authentic has become a bit of a buzzword now and everyone's yeah. like, I'm so authentic. But I think the, the, the key to that is, you know, when I talk about personal branding, I talk about, you know, establishing your values. What do you stand for and what will you not stand for? Um, and then your personality, you know, what do people, how would people describe you 
and, and how would you describe yourself? But it has to include the bad stuff, yeah? It can't just be the good stuff because if it's just the good stuff, it's not authentic. So for example, I'm a bit of a scruffy beast and, and I tried, I remember I'm a big fan of Denise Duffield Thomas. I haven't done her stuff, but I, I love the way she presents herself. You know, she looks fantastic all the time. And I remember when about five years ago, I tried to make a video with, with like a background with a perfectly placed succulent. And I even got some bits of fake hair to put in my hair. And I did these videos where I was like on a chair going, hi, I'm Kate Toon. And it was, I really want to find them. I need to find them because they were so bad. But the problem is, that, was, that took me an entire day to prepare for that. And I don't have that kind of time. I'm not rich enough. I need to be able to turn up and do a Facebook Live in my pajamas. I just did a coaching call for my recipe course last night in my pajamas in bed because I was poorly and I didn't want it to turn up. And, and if I, so I have to show the scruffiness. I'm also very sarcastic. I'm a little bit cynical, so I'm not very woo woo. Um, and I have to show that. Because if I started putting quotes up with mandalas on saying, live your best life, people would be like, what? You know, so I have to embrace the snark. And some people hate that about me. And I'm just not their cup of tea. And I know that. But the thing is, you've got to be your own cup of tea, haven't you? You've got to be your own cup of tea. Yeah, and I think as soon as you start putting people off you, you're actually clearing away for the people that you are trying to attract. Preach! Yeah. Good marketing yeah. is as much about repelling as it is about attracting. Um, yeah. And if you really are your authentic self with all your flaws, embarrassing bits, um, then people will like you so, so much harder. It's very hard to feel passionate and engaged with somebody who's vanilla, who's always kind of clean and perfect and never says anything odd and never makes you laugh and never makes you angry and never makes you sad. You're just indifferent, you know, they're just yeah. scrolling on by. The, the, I've got an analogy for you, and you can have this as a hashtag, because it's my new hashtag that I'm going to use. You know when people get a burger from, like, McDonald's? I don't, because I'm a vegetarian. And some people take out, uh, is it the gherkin? What do you call the, do you call them gherkins in Australia? A the pickle. pickle. The pickle. Some people love the pickle, and some people hate the pickle. But you've got to show your pickle. You've got to embrace your pickle. Some people aren't going to want that, but some people... <laughs> If you love pickles, you love pickles. Do you know what I'm saying? I oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I usually use Marmite or, sorry, ah. Vegemite over here. You're, yeah. you're a, you want to be Marmite. You want people to yeah. love you and want to smother themselves in you. Or you want people <laughs> to be like, get that as far away from me as possible. Exactly. When you have your Marmite, I'll have my pickle. Um, but it's important to show your pickle. I think that's what I'm saying. You know, warts, warts and all, um, flaws and all. Um, you know, I can post the most eloquent, well-articulated, useful tip on marketing online and no, it's just crickets. I can post a picture of myself having poured coffee all over my boob just before a Zoom call and going like, you know, this is the real life. And then that gets the thing because people are just, you know, these people who put themselves up on pedestals and I don't know if they consciously do it, but they try to represent themselves as these, you know, omnipotent beings, that are smooth haired, glossy teeth you know they they're just they seem impossible we we can't relate to Beyonce we can relate to somebody who's a couple of steps ahead of us or who's maybe achieved something that we want to achieve but it's not astronomically far away and I think we're all looking for heroes we're all looking for people to follow but they don't need to be you know glorious they just need to be slightly maybe not even because I don't even think I'm smarter than the people who are in my memberships I am one of them you know 
but I'm the one, I'm bringing, I'm creating the space for them to come together. So you don't need to be smarter or more attractive or funnier than the people that follow you. It's about connection. And sometimes that comes from being a dork or whatever it is. Sorry, I'm waffling, but you know what I mean? You don't need to be a genius to be a leader and to have a personal brand. You can just be yourself. And some people are gonna love you for that and get a lot of value out of what you think is really obvious stuff because it's not obvious to them, you know? Yeah, well, it comes back to it's not always the best person for the job that gets it. It's the one yeah. that, that we notice. It's the one that's the loudest. It's the one that we can see the most potential in. The one that puts themselves out there, you know? Yep. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> okay, this was awesome. I really enjoyed our chat and I loved all the different directions it took because this is exactly what it's meant to be all about to get to know you. And I think we got to, to know you and the scruffy you. Uh, and thank you so much for doing this, even though you're feeling a little bit um, rubbish. I hope that you're going to take a rest after this. Can uh, you just tell everyone, I'm going to put all of your links into the show notes, obviously, but anyone who's listening and doesn't like to look at show notes, can you just tell them how they can find you? Well, hopefully I'm fairly good at SEO by now. So if you type King Tune into Google, uh, as I always say, you'll either find me or a dentist in Ipswich. Um, I'm a dentist in Ipswich. So katetune.com is, is where you can jump off into all my various bits and bobs. And I've loved it. I love, for those of you who are watching, you can't see, but we're doing this on something called Restream. It's really cool. So I'm going to go and investigate Restream after this. It's really, really wonderful. Thanks, Megan. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. And I will speak to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Personal Branding Exposed. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the others, then please listen to some more, but also share it with your friends and leave a review. I'm a pretty new podcast, so that means quite a lot for me and I really appreciate your kind words. Social media, if you have any feedback or you just want to just want to chat really send me a message i'm normally found on instagram or linkedin they're where i like to hang out but i do have facebook if that's your thing and also on the website you can get my details there and you can get in touch thank you so much for getting this far if you want a little bit more though these episodes actually go out live every tuesday at 8 p.m western standard time here in western australia at 8 p.m which if you're in canada or america that'll be first thing in the morning for you so you can uh, listen over your morning coffee and if you're in the uk it will be over your lunch break I speak to these amazing people every single Tuesday and they just expose their personal brands to us. They tell us what makes them tick, what motivates them. We hear their stories of where they've come from and where they are now and how they got there. There's loads you can take from this, lots of uh, motivation and inspiration. Like These people are awesome and they really niche down. They know what it is that they're doing, so there's so much to take away from them. I have got this amazing lineup of people coming up, so make sure it's in your diary, 8pm Western Standard Time and the podcast drops every Wednesday. Till next time.